everybody. Hey. I was trying to think of a funny way to say hey, and I didn't think of one. Yeah, good morning, Vietnam's been used. Um, what else we got? <laughs> well, we've said a bunch because this is episode 89 of the Big Planet Comics Podcast. What? What? That means we're only about three or four months away from our 100th episode. That's true. Yep. We're going to need to figure out what to do. My name is Kevin. I'm Nick. I'm Jared. Cool. Enthusiastic. <laughs> Enthusiastic, guys. What's going on? Uh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Cool. Um, I'm going to go see Wolverine tomorrow by myself. Oh, The Wolverine? Yeah, because nobody else wants to is see it. Is it called The Wolverine? Yeah, it is. is okay. It? okay. It's good to know. Who's it directed by? Just in case you did, you thought it was like a Wolverine. Is um, it the Darren Aaron? Hal Mangold? No, Hal Mangold <laughs> is the guy that shops in the store. <laughs> uh, no, it's something Mangold. <laughs> I think Very it's Mangold. James Mangold. James Mangold? Yeah. Director of Night and Day. Oh, what's that? Um, the Pixar short. <laughs> yeah, no, it's no, that Tom Cruise movie. Tom Cruise, Cameron Diaz. Um, nope. Director of uh, the second Bond movie. Oh, Quantum of Quantum Solace. Quantum of Solace, the, no, the greatest title. Is it Quantum or Quantum? Quantum. Quantum? What is a Quantum? <laughs> <laughs> isn't, that an air, isn't that an airline? Is it Quantum? Is Quantum an airline? Quantas. Quantas. Oh, yeah. Quantas of <laughs> Solace. <laughs> <laughs> or is it Cantus uh, or Contus? I, I don't know. Let's figure it out. Uh, we're going to go on the internet real quick, you guys. We'll be back in like 10 minutes. <laughs> it turns out it was Lufthansa. We are not, <laughs> not going to pause the recording, so just Enter- entertain yourself. Yeah, skip ahead. Uh, cool. So that's what you're doing. What have you been doing, Nick? What have I been doing? Oh, nothing really. I don't know. Jared. Full of excitement. Uh, we have uh, officially started shipping out our first retrofit. Uh, co-published comic yeah, Beach yeah. Jared's been putting stuff in boxes Yes I've been packing a lot of boxes Yeah So watch the stores And watch the mailbox If you've already subscribed And watch watch the throne Because Jared's <laughs> moving up I was going to say the same thing <laughs> Gotta watch that throne Well that's cool um, Jared usually you're like And also I went to uh, the German Museum of History and yeah. did this. I Not, might have, but I, I went remember. to a, a rave that was inside of an abandoned Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't supposed to tell anybody about that. Uh, that's I, can't, just I like, can't remember what yeah, I've been doing. I'm so tired from picking. packing boxes. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired from unpacking boxes, still moving, but I'm pretty much yeah. done now. Hooray! Yeah. Out my own house. I took a final picture of it and it made me a little bit sad. Yeah, yeah. I, saw I went, in, I went inside your house. Good memory. Was it weird? <laughs> so don't, empty. don't tell Kevin. No, yeah, it was weird. Yeah. I went in there to get my pinball machine that was in there. Was that the only thing left? Uh, no, there's like other stuff. There's other oh. pinball machines. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's right. true. My landlord took them, though. Oh, did he? Besides uh, that, I just finished up a story for the next Magic Bullet. Excellent. Drawn by the excellent Mike Short. Oh, good. It's called Souling. It's a, it's like a kind of um, home invasion thing. Just a page, but it's pretty creepy, I think. I guess oh, I wrote cool. one, too. You did write one. Drawn by... Uh, our friend, DC Our, artist, <laughs> local DC artist, local DC artist now, Brooke Allen. Yep. yep. Yeah. So that should be good. Uh, nobody's seen it yet, but it's due today. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> it's due tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's good. So we, we got some time. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So that one's all Halloween themed. Yep, Halloween yeah, stuff. Some nice. horror stuff. So Mine nice. is about the local Bunny Man legend. Which I didn't know oh, really? about. Oh, really? But yeah, uh, yeah. Andy Man. at our other store, uh, who's a big horror fan, as we'll find out later in this episode. <laughs> so, so, so spoilers. Uh, was telling me about the Bunny Man a few weeks ago, and then Nick was like, oh, I'm writing a story about the Bunny Man. Nick, why don't you tell people what the Bunny Man is? There's, it's weird because there's like so many different versions of it. Why don't you review the Bunny Man? <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it's like this uh, there's this like overpass in somewhere in Fairfax County where. Way out in the boonies. Where, yeah, like there was like a bus crash with a bunch of um, insane asylum uh, 
like inmates and one of them escaped and started killing people in the woods dressed there's different ones there's one where he's like dressed like a bunny and carrying a giant axe and there's one where he is skinning rabbits and leaving them everywhere hanging from trees and stuff so did any of skinning people is there any veracity to any of did any of this actually happen no no uh i think it all i didn't i didn't actually (laughs) i didn't actually get far enough there's one guy that has like like a like a thirty page thing yeah, about like his investigation yeah. of the bunny man and I, I So was thirty like, pages was too much research. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was just like I got enough. <laughs> I was like I don't I I didn't want to know the real thing because I was like I, I'm trying to kind of do an amalgam of all of them. So like I, I want to read it now though. Yeah I'm writing a um World War Two graphic novel and I watched half of Saber and Private Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best kind of research. Yeah yeah um I watched uh, the documentary about World War One <laughs> It's it's like kind of a what if like what if they saved Private Ryan? Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, I oh, I just listened to Sabaton, who are like a heavy metal band that sings songs about World War Two. Nice. Wow, <laughs> they sound like Iron Maiden, except maybe they just sound like Dragon Force. Nice, wow. yeah, which is not a good thing. Oh, yeah. especially if you're playing Guitar Hero. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's what everybody's been up to, I guess. I guess. Yes. I guess. You guys. Okay. Nick says he has news. He's, it's usually we have it on his peep, piece of paper. Is this peep of paper? Peep of paper. <laughs> but paper, Nick paper, says paper, it's all paper, in paper. his head. So let's find out if that's true. This just in. How about the presses? Uh, DC Comics announced that they're going to put out a spinoff series from Arrow about the Flash. These are um, TV shows. Arrow is the Green Arrow TV show. Uh, <laughs> I just started yawning. Yeah, um, <laughs> that I was would. kind of that was kind of my reaction. I was like, uh, I, was um, like I never really watched. I watched a little bit of Arrow, and it, I really hated it. But people were telling me it gets better. But, it's uh, real bad. Well, they're throwing um, a lot of DC Universe characters in, so it's kind people of tell me it gets better and better. Up. The funny thing I read is that. They're like, oh, yeah, next season he's going to be actually called the Green Arrow. Because in this season he's just like the hood or something like that. And I was the like, hood. and I was like, I guess they were like just testing it out. And if it really sucked, they were gonna be like, no, it's not a Green Arrow. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then it was successful. So well, like, oh, yeah, we're going to change his name to Green Arrow. I don't know if that's true because it is Oliver Queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Because um, maybe they wanted to save the name Green Arrow for like the movie. I, I want to say one of the biggest losses for me with the launch of the new 52 was like Ollie Queen's facial hair. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, pretty, pretty old school amazing. Yeah, I feel like he he like had a really awesome iconic look. Yeah. And now he looks like like Cole Hauser from Infamous or something. He's just <laughs> yeah. like, he's like really generic. Well, everything about him is, is different. Like he's not even the same personality that he used to be. He's not like this Rogue-ish. super liberal like kind of tough guy that's kind of like getting on everybody's nerves now he's just kind of like a young rich guy like he's basically hawkeye <laughs> yeah yeah except hawkeye is awesome yeah <laughs> well, I, well green arrow's been better recently. yeah, yeah the green yeah, arrow yeah. comic is pretty great. jeff lemire is a good writer yeah and art's pretty great wrote our 2012 graphic novel of the year underwater welder <laughs> check and, it out and it's... topping himself every month with green arrow <laughs> <laughs> that is not true uh trillium next week though trillium yeah there you go uh, another piece of news uh trillium next week I was going to say Marvel, but I guess it's not Marvel. It's Fox that has been putting out these um, Days of Future Past teasers. Have you seen those? I saw a picture of Peter Dinklage as Bolivar Trask. With a huge mustache. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a a viral campaign where it's like um, 
there's like ads for Trask Industries and like protecting people. And Does it like, give your computer a virus? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. And there's pictures of like old timey like se- there's like Sentinels like protecting Ronald Reagan and stuff. It's, it's pretty great. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Apparently, at the end of Wolverine, there's some kind of Days of Future Past three minute thing. That's what I heard. Which I was like, that's the only reason I want to go see it. I heard Wolverine was dumb but fun. Yeah, I heard it was all right. Yeah. yeah. You should go Josh get out tomorrow. See what happens. I'm going. I'll, I'll I'll come back with a review. Yeah. Next week. Mini sub. Oh, I got some news. What's up? Uh the Desert Island, the com- awesome comic book store up in Brooklyn is relaunching a comics convention up in Brooklyn. The Brooklyn the Arts it? Comics Festival. Is that what yeah, called? yeah, I think so. BAC uh, Festival. Yeah, because there was the Brooklyn Comics and Graphic Yes. The BCGF Festival is very yeah. complicated. Uh, and that ended, and that was Gabe from Desert Island and a couple other people. Oh, was it? Bill Cartolopoulos. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Or maybe it was, I the, it was the picture Street box guy. guys. No, I don't think so. I think so. But anyway, it was it was a few people, and that, that ended. They flamed out, like all awesome conventions, because it's a lot of work and nobody helps. And now <laughs> they're uh, they're coming back. Yep, this November. Reborn from the ashes, like Phoenix from the X-Men. Yep, just yep. like Phoenix from the X-Men. Yep. There should be a lot of Phoenix cosplayers at that convention. <laughs> or Pharrell from Daft Punk. <laughs> uh, is it Pharrell from Daft Punk? Yep. Is Pharrell in Daft Punk now, officially? He is. He's getting a new helmet. <laughs> Got lucky. Uh, cool. Well, Nick, did, did you have more news in your head, or was that the piece of news in your head? Uh, what else we got? Uh, nah, I got nothing. All right, cool. Well, let's do some questions. Yes. Up first in questions, we got a question from Matt Star Trek. Uh, congratulations, Matt, on having babies. Yeah, baby. Babies. I don't know if we ever talked about that. We did. Not. I don't know why we would have. Who's Matt Star Trek? Matt and Jen. Star Trek. <laughs> Matt Star Trek. <laughs> I'm sure he loves that. Uh, can you discuss your favorite comic based toy when you were kids and your favorite toy currently, if you still indulge? I think I might be the only person that still buys toys in this room. Yeah, but we can't talk about that. But then also, <laughs> also I feel like. Uh, I was, I'm not, like, nerdy about that. Like, I don't collect toys from when I was a kid. Right. But uh, what about you guys? Comic-based toys says, from the future. when you were a kid. Yeah, comic-based toys from when you were kids. G.I. Joe. Was that a comic first? Uh, no. I'm pretty sure that was a toy first. Yeah. Is that what he's saying? Or is it always asking Your favorite comic-based toy. So, oh, for example, the Kenner Superpowers line with <laughs> yeah, fabric yeah. capes. Um, well, I, I will say I was a big... I had a bunch of the Secret Wars toys. Which uh, had oh yeah had like little uh, they all had little shields, shields little yeah, had lenticular sp- things Spider-Man in them. with like a hypno shield it was yeah compl- what the heck was that for? and Wolverine <laughs> had uh, supposedly the 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 comic was after the toy line really like they created a that toy line sense. and then they created That's the comic because insane. they wanted to put all the characters in a in a thing together oh yeah Wolverine had like a little claws that were like a bracelet so you could hook his claws on yeah. when they're out and then take them off yeah him too they were pretty awesome uh, and there was like the big. Uh, I, like Baron Zemo has that giant wheel that he rolls around in. Right. It's good stuff. That's what I had. What? And I had. <laughs> it's like a hamster ball. Yeah, uh, kind. Of, well, no, it's like a gyroscope. Like a giant. It looks like a Ferris wheel. It's like a Ferris That's wheel of doom. Ridiculous. <laughs> and then I had a bunch of Kenner Superpowers toys, which were like the DC ones that were. Uh, there was a comic about those, uh, drawn by Jack Kirby. Yep. That's one of the last. Uh, one of the last comics he did, especially for DC. He did some stuff for, what was it? Pacific Comics after that. Silver Star and all yeah, that stuff. I think so. But, uh, yeah. What about you guys? Oh, uh, someone gave me uh, a Canada and his awesome red motorcycle from Akira that was a prized possession. That's cool. It's super sweet. That's pretty sweet. I had a, uh, a Batman and Joker set, and uh, but it was in Greece, 
and it was like a knockoff thing. <laughs> it pretty oh. much looked the same. But I remember me and my cousin were really bored because we were in Greece, and so we <laughs> we set the Joker on fire. We're like, well, Batman set him on fire. <laughs> we're like, Batman's like fighting Joker, and he's like, I'm gonna set you on fire. And we just wanted to set stuff on fire, and mm-hmm. it melted and it it hurt our noses. <laughs> I had a bunch of toys from the because uh, I'm old from the. Uh, I guess we're all old. Yeah. <laughs> but yep. from the uh from the Tim Burton Batman movie. I think that's oh, what I had. Uh, yeah. But yeah. they were like But it was like it was like it was like Botman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I used to set toys on fire and it do came all in that a, stuff. a Wolverine box. <laughs> Swiss G.I. Joe's until they exploded and all their limbs flew off. Yeah. I had some He Man's, had some Transformer toys. I yeah, so so I yeah, what about now? Do you guys have any do you guys ever buy any toys? Nope. Nope. Uh, I have a prison pit toy that I love. What? Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's I have a prison funny. pit action figure. I like. I do buy like uh, designer toys. I uh, my roommate makes toys. Brooke Allen, who's yeah, drawing Nick's true. comic as well. We're gonna start carrying those in our stores uh, pretty Sweet. soon. Sweet. Uh, uh, and I don't know. I don't know what else. I actually bought a He Man toy just recently off. Oh, really? Like yeah. an old one? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> For no reason whatsoever. I don't have any and I bought the Megazord from the new Power Rangers, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> Power <laughs> Rangers Mega Force, you guys, is good. It's on Hulu. <laughs> Didn't you buy some Ninja Turtles toys, too? I did also buy some Ninja Turtles toys, yes. Oh, yeah, you got some for your birthday. Yep, I got some Legos for my birthday. <laughs> and also, Robocop? I've got a Robocop toy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do have a lot of toys. I have a glow in the dark Robocop. I it's bought a Donatello, because Donatello is the best Ninja Turtle in the it's new Ninja sweet. Turtles show, so. Yeah. Okay. I got nothing. Cool. Nope. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, thanks for the question, Matt Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, Matt Star Trek, the next generation Voyager. Uh, the next question is from Pivo, Paul Vodra. Pivo Bryson? Pivo Bryson. He says, what is the worst big event crossover that Marvel has ever published? Oh. My vote is Executioner Song from 1992, which totally killed my X-Men love until Grant Morrison's run. What is the best? My favorite is Civil War. Great art and writing and relevant to the politics of the time. Let's start out with the best, you guys. What's the best? Ooh, Ooh boy. For me, Civil War is pretty Civil good. War. It's got great art and writing and it's relevant to the politics <laughs> of the time. I actually do think Civil War Civil is probably War is the best great. one. Really? Yeah. Like over like Mutant Massacre or some of the old school ones where they were first trying it out? Well, for me, I was never into any of that stuff. So during the time period right. when that stuff was going on, I was not reading superhero comics at all. So a Marvel event. Inferno. Right? No, not Inferno. Um, I guess Executioner's song is really bad. That that sounds like the beginning of the end in the. Ooh, movie, actually, so, yeah. In, uh, Infinity Gauntlet is pretty sweet. Uh-huh. Yeah, was that a crossover? Yeah, yeah. They oh. had the main series, but I think that was pretty great. A lot. Um, Secret Wars two or three. Se- the first Secret Wars is pretty great. Aww, too. not as good as two. Secret Wars Two is so bad. Secret Wars Two might be the worst one. Uh, no, I, for yeah. me the worst is uh, Age of Ultron. It was really terrible. You have not read Secret Wars Two, have you? I have read Secret Wars Two, but I was a child when I read it, and I was like, okay, this is cool. More Beyonder. Yeah. Is that the one with the like Dazzler's heavily featured? Which one? Possibly. Feet, feet, feet Dazzler. Jeez, <laughs> Feet Dazzler. Um, yeah, I, yeah. So I I missed out on a lot of those. Basically, oh, for like ten years, I didn't read I any superhero. Comics. Maximum Security. Whoa! Oh, Avengers X Men Maximum Security. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Uh, ooh, that one. Oh, that's what the trade is called. I've pretty never, rough. <laughs> <laughs> I've never read it. I think Marvel's got a lot of contenders for worst. Pretty rough. Yeah, but uh, I think it, seems, it sounds like we all think Civil War was probably the best one. Identity Disc. <laughs> oh, and that that was meant to just coincide with while Identity Crisis was coming, coming out, out, so that people would like see it right next to it on the yeah. shelf, right? Yep. So so cheap. Marvel does that stuff though. Yeah, they definitely amazing. do. They're great. <laughs> Identity Disc was great though. It was good. Was it good? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, it was all right. I, I like no it. Idea. 
I had like a bunch of I don't remember, remember what it was a bunch of villains fighting the, the over the disc had like the secret identities of everyone on it, right, so right. all the villains were trying to get oh, it. Oh, like a compact disc. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, it was like a floppy disc. It was like a floppy disc. Yeah. Like uh like the villain from Buffy in season four that has like a floppy disc drive in his head. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, gosh, oh yeah. I now I have all your memories. I have modern technology. I have an internet. Uh all right, cool. Well thanks for the question, Pivo. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, people, Bryson. Keep Thank making you, keep, them hits. Yeah, keep keep singing versions of songs from Aladdin, bud. <laughs> uh, all right, up next we got a question from Wang Gretzky. That's not his real name. It's, it's what he says his name is. Wow. Cool. His parents are mean. Pay attention, because this question might be, it's really long. So he says, oh. hey, podcasts. That's us. Hey. Nice. Hey, what's up, Planeteer? Uh, my cousin recently had a birthday. So, you know, guys, strap in. <laughs> and his birthday, on his birthday list, he asked for Leave Luck to Heaven, a comic put out by Dakota McFadzen a few years ago. What? Okay, not Dakota Fanning, Dakota McFadzen. Um, Leave Luck to Heaven sounds like something that would be on, like, a bootleg Chinese t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> I searched high and low, but was unable to find it. This got me thinking about the preservation of comics in general and steps that should be taken to ensure that future generations will be able to enjoy them. The obvious answer is reprints trades, but in case of weird licensing ties, like Rom the Space Knight, and publisher tanked, like Now Comics, uh, or the title wasn't just wasn't that popular, Alpha Flight, reprints are not feasible. Some of Alpha Flight was extremely popular. Uh, at what point do you think the onus is on the community to preserve the, the comics that they love, either digitally or st- uh, stenographically? It really burns me out that my children won't be able to enjoy titles like Not Brandeck and Ralph Snart. Thanks again, Wang. I do want to say Ralph Snart has put out three collections of the yeah. original Ralph Snart comics. Yeah, recently. Plus so. an extra like Ralph Snart Adventures, right? Yep. So yep. there's that. So, uh, yep. so get go, on it. Go buy them and uh, just if you want to actually have children, don't have them around when you have women to your house. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the other ones, I don't know. So something like Rom the Space Knight. I feel like that mm, stuff is point. people, you know, it's like Miracle Man. It's out there. You yeah, can find it if you, you want it. it. And ROM is actually not that expensive. I bought an entire set of ROM for about $5. There you go. <laughs> um, so so the, the question is, do you think the onus is on the community to preserve the comics that they love? Um, yeah, I think... I think oh, it's tricky. Typically, like, that stuff falls to you know collectors is right. one way to preserve those things and yeah, then, I mean, uh, and people scan comics and put them online all the time you know it's right. it's not it's not the best thing for us as a comic book store right. but also when things aren't available it's like you find if you really want to read them you find them the way you have to yeah, yeah and i'm honestly surprised that you haven't seen more of it from like the bigger companies that the fact they've already paid all the writers and artists they've already printed all this stuff that they could scan all their old back stock and put it up for a buck and be like here's 600 issues of Batman or Spider-Man, just buy them. I think they're slowly. I think Marvel. I know, Marvel has been doing that with their. They have like right. a subscription program now but that they I could think do everything. You know, they so could. Eventually, I think we will see much more in that direction. If people, like all these big corporate people being like, we have stuff we could make money off of. Why isn't this available? And we'll see more of it. Yeah, and digital's uh, like subscription models for digital will become a much bigger yeah. thing with comics. I feel like just be for older stuff because people don't. It takes up a lot of room and. As, like, memory on things like iPads gets bigger, yeah. I think uh, you can actually fit whole collections on there That's instead true. of just having, like, 200 comics or whatever on there. Because people want to have that stuff. Right. It's like if, you, if iPods could only ever fit 200, 500 right. songs on them, they would have never gotten as popular as they are now. Right. So as, yeah. as memory increases and stuff like that, you'll start to see companies doing that stuff a little bit more, I think. Yeah. And then um, Marvel's doing this thing now where they're doing these epic collections. 
Oh, yeah. And they're kind of doing, like, bigger collections of older storylines that right. haven't been in print. So I think a lot of that stuff is getting out of there, out to the public. It's just by the time that stuff comes out, something else has gone out of print. Right, right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so... There's I, a lot of comics. Yeah. But there's also the side of it. There's, like, a, a bunch of small publishers, like, not small, but, like, like IDW and stuff, who's reprinting all these classic old comic strips that they really had to search to find them all, and they're doing these awesomely, meticulously recreated archive editions and stuff, and, like... Um, like Canteen Kate is an old comic series that only like four issues came out and there's a collection coming out from Lost Art Press in a couple of weeks. So there's, there's like, I think it's also that there's some stuff that's just not worth collecting in a lot of ways that will, you can pick up for 25 cents, but there isn't enough interest. Yeah, definitely nobody wants pick up Christar. Um, comics. <laughs> I've yeah. got some issues with Chris. I have all of them. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. So, so I think, I think, you know, as things go, they go through cycles too of interest waning and waxing on this stuff. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's on, it's on the community a little bit and it's always on you to like, let, let publishers know what you want. That's, that's really true. Especially now that you can actually contact them (laughs) a lot easier. Uh, yeah. So thanks for the question, Wang Gretzky. Thank you. If that is your real name, (laughs) which I hope it is. Uh, next time let us know if it is or not. But uh, that's it for questions this week. If you guys have questions, you can... Uh, do we have any questions on the Facebook or anything, Jared? Or is that what some of this is? Uh, the one from Matt was Facebook. Okay. Well, thanks for the question on Facebook, Matt. If you've got questions on Facebook, you can send them to Facebook at Facebook.com. <laughs> I, got a, I got a question. Okay, sure. What's up with Fallen Angels? I, I just saw that the X-Men Fallen Angels trade came out this week. Yep. And uh, Fallen Angels was an eight-issue limited miniseries. And did anybody read it? Uh, it has Warlock in it. I just looked at the cover. It's got the new Devil mutants, Dinosaur. Devil Dinosaur. <laughs> what? And a female Banshee. Let's talk I about X-Men Fallen Angels. I guess that's probably week. Siren. I think we have to. Yeah. You guys want to do it? Yeah, sure. sure. Let's do it. Let's read it. Uh, I also want to talk about Beauty and the Beast to the Dazzler Beast miniseries because that's, that's coming out in trade. That's talking about the comic <laughs> adaptation of the TV show. Uh, the comic adaptation of the TV show with Linda Hamilton and Ron Perlman. The comic's mm-hmm. written by Ron Perlman. Is it? No, I don't written know. Written by well, George R. R. Martin. It's for, oh, cool. Oh, yeah, the show was, wasn't it? Yep. Was it? Yeah. Yep. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it, yep. that's what Game of Thrones is based on. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, uh, yeah, what, what else was I saying? I don't even know. You can send oh. the questions to podcast at Big Planet Comics. You can... I, I'm not even going to say the hotline. I don't want people to call it anymore. Just send in your questions. To the yeah. Uh, it's over, you guys. Aww. You guys, you guys could have had something nice, <laughs> but now you don't. Uh, you can send the questions to us at Twitter, at Big Planet Comics. You can send them to our Facebook at facebook.com. Email us. <laughs> you, talk to us. You can just do Just do it. Telegraph us. Whatever. In the immortal words of Spike Lee, just do it. Just make it. <laughs> yeah. Just rebuff. And by, by that, I mean give me money for a Kickstarter. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah. you, guys, you guys want to do some reviews? Yes. Sure. Let's do it. We love comics. They're swell. Except when they're written by Scott Lovedell. I prefer important books like Louis Riel. It's time for reviews. <laughs> All right, Jared still loves that song. <laughs> I don't listen to it. It's like what it actually says, and then I do it, and I start cracking up again. Uh, All right, up first so this good. week, we've got Louis Riel by Chester Brown. No, we've got a, the best. We've got a book called Barrel of Monkeys. This is uh, by Florent Repair and Jerome Mulot. Sure. Mulot? I don't know. Mulot, probably. Uh, and uh, this is published by a new publisher called Rebus Books. Yeah. Who is, uh, it's run by Bill Cartolopoulos, who is uh, one of the guys that works on the local show SPX, doing yep. the programming and stuff. And uh, it's just a translated French thing. Thing. Comic. And it's really, really good. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. It's so, more fun than a something. Than a, yeah, it's more fun than a something. So uh, <clears throat> I don't know. How you, how would you describe this? It's kind of a series of vignettes. With but, a framework. 
yeah so in between like a like a one or two pages in between each chapter of in, in between <clears throat> each vignette so the main story is about a couple documentarians who are trying to uh film they're breaking into a zoo because they think that people are molesting the animals yep and they're trying to get footage of it and uh that story is really funny and then i don't know if these are the same two guys I that are so. also the portraitists but they're yeah. people that take uh photographs of people yeah i think it's them and that's the majority of the stories are these portraits and each portrait is just a hilarious kind of really mean-spirited really funny often very violent yeah very violent uh story so for example let's let's see one that we can give an example (laughs) so for example there's one where they're taking uh, a picture of this guy and he has a like his face has been all cut up right and so they're trying to figure out how how his face got cut (laughs) up and they go through all these different scenarios of things that could have happened like he's mauled by a tiger mauled by a bear his face is cut up by a radio control airplane, <laughs> um, wrestling uh, an alligator, um, mowing the lawn uh, in a figure skating accident. And then, um, so they take him on the roof, and he's up there with his boomerang, and then something really funny happens at the end. Yep. Oh, yeah. And they're all really kind of violent. like that. It's, it's really hard to explain. Like, and often very surreal. Yeah. What is so funny about this? Yeah. But it's it so is, messed up. But it's just really funny. And um, there are a bunch of little, uh, almost... Chris Warish, uh, what are they called? Uh, Fanacus scopes or something? I don't know exactly what they're called, but yeah. these little animated things that you can uh, actually go on their webpage and look at animated. Yeah. Which is it's basically cool. it's like a pinwheel, yeah, where it's animated around the edge. So if you spin, you know, you print it out from their webpage and put it on a pen and spin it, each little section is animated. So you see like movement as it goes around and. I think that's what kind of blew me away, too, is, like, now it's this really clever and really funny. They do more with the cartooning page than I've seen, like, anyone do since, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, all the layouts are, are pretty interesting. Um, there, there are some crazy, these, like, panels that take place in cubes in this story with, oh, yeah. a, with a cowboy. Yeah, for example. Yeah. And that's, that's really, really cool. Um, yeah, the whole thing just kind of has to be seen to understand what's so great about it. But the, the cartooning has a, is very, um, it's very, like, light in a good way. Like, it's, it's just very representative, like, very iconic. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, like, details. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, a lot of the sort of gestural stuff, like the body language stuff, is really well done. And uh, I don't know, it just it all just works really well. And it's just, it just has that essence of comedy that's really hard to explain why things are funny. But yeah, this book it's very is, deadpan, like just yeah, and they got to increasingly bizarre situations and like stranger and stranger things they shoot and yeah, but amazing. Like this this comic totally blew me away. It, it's yeah, one of the too. best things I've ever read. Yeah, it's great. I don't know if I would say the best things I've ever read, it's but it's one, one of them. <laughs> it's one of the funniest things I've read recently. It's it's really really fantastic. Yep. All right, that's Barrel of Monkeys. Up yeah. next, we've got Collider number 1. This is a new Vertigo series written by Simon Oliver, who who is Simon Oliver? Sure sounds familiar. Exterminators. Oh, is it the guy? Oh, oh well, there you go. Exterminators is awesome. And art by Robbie Rodriguez, who I believe did art in the recent Uncanny X-Force series. And uh, awesome covers by Nathan uh, Fox. I was going to say Nathan Lane. (laughs) But no, it's Nathan Fox. And uh, yeah, this was an interesting sci-fi story, kind of an idea I hadn't seen before. So the basic concept is that uh, something goes terribly wrong with science. And uh, so basically the way that the Americans government deals with it is they create a new bureau, the Federal Bureau of Physics, which in a lot of ways tends to be kind of like the typical bureaucratic, like very 
down to basis guys who will go around and try and fix problems like, oh, you've got a black hole at your school. We're going to go in and try to glue it shut. And so it's kind of this weird mishmash of like uh, very high tech, weird, crazy sci-fi ideas with very down to earth, like practical problem solving stuff. And uh, the main guy is uh, his father is some sort of theoretical scientist who in the past first discovered when things started going wrong with physics and now he's one of the guys who tries to fix the problems, and uh, there are a lot of problems. But I think the the main character, the guy was his name, Agent Adam Hardy, uh, I think was just really I don't know a really appealing character. I really enjoyed like reading about him, and he's got like a good sidekick who's another agent who's kind of more loudish. No, he's not loud, but just like barrels ahead and does stuff a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And the main character, Adam is kind of, it seems like the go-to guy yeah. for like fixing big problems. Yeah. And they also introduced this uh, scientist character. That's pretty interesting as well. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you kind of get a sense in the first issue that there's some other stuff going on. Like some people know more about these phenomena. Yeah, than, why they've happened. Or than, yeah. are they getting worse? Are people making them worse? And, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, all of it just sort of built to something that, I don't know. It just didn't feel like anything I've read recently. It yeah. was like, uh, usually the sci- you see sci-fi things and you've, you're like, oh, well, that's kind of like a combination of this and this. Right. Even when they're great, like something like The Wake, you're like, oh, yeah. well, this is like Abyss mixed with aliens or something. Yeah. But this was just like, I don't know. Completely new, yeah. Yeah, it felt completely new and fresh, which is awesome. And the art's, uh, the art's really good. It's got like, it's almost like a looser Phil Noto or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and the coloring is great. I don't know who colored this book, but... Uh, it uses a lot of like pinks and blues, and uh, it just all works really well together to to make an awesome book. Yeah, I think and like the main character Adam like really just has good interactions with people. Like it's very well written, like character bits and stuff, and just I think yeah. did a great job on it. Yeah, you really don't get fun. like a ton of personal stuff, but the little bit you do definitely makes makes him a likable guy. It makes yeah. you interested yeah. in his life. Um, Colors by Rico Renzi. Well, there you go. Good job, Rico. Yeah. Yep. Good awesome. job, Rico. Yeah, so I think we would all say Collider number one. Highly Super recommended. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. All right, up next we've got a book that uh, not a whole lot to say about this, but we just wanted to mention it. This is Frontier. This is uh, the first of a new series uh, put out by uh, Youth in Decline, which is um, yep. Ryan Sands' new company, the guy who did uh, he did the Electric Ant Zine. He does the Same Hat blog, which is a really amazing blog mm-hmm. about uh, sort of like uh, – weird Japanese stuff like manga and stuff. And uh, each issue is going to focus on a different artist. Uh, and this first one focuses on Uno Morales, who um, who does like pixel art, basically. Uh, amazing pixel art. Yeah, amazing pixel art, all with a very weird uh, sort of... I don't know what you would call it. I mean, it's obviously very Japanese influence. It's like a Japanese 80s trashy video game of awesomeness. Yeah, uh, I would say the art is very influenced by uh suihiro maruo who is uh the guy that did like um mr arashi's amazing freak show yeah. and um and also reminded me some of it a little bit of lychee light club which is a really oh, crazy book yeah. as well but uh yeah it's it's got a very 80s feel to it uh maruo is definitely the the guy i i think of when i'm looking at this but uh there's yeah. almost like a continuing story in this but it just gets so weird that it, i have no <laughs> idea what was happening but it's it's always really cool to look at, and there's like at least one one or two amazing pages. There's one that's like all pink, and it's it's blue yeah, my the mind. Colors on this is great too. Yeah, well, the way the way it was printed is cool. It's it's like resographed, which I think is the same uh, the same process they use for the um, no brow books. Oh, really? Yeah, and it gives it a, it gives it a really cool look and feel. And I don't know, it's just a cool book. It's um, 
yeah, it's like body horror stuff. It's kind of it's kind of hard to explain. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, very maybe influenced also by somebody like Junji Ito. Yep. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, super awesome. Super awesome. I bought this. So yeah, check it out. It's or, definitely worth just even looking at to be like, whoa. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Up next, we've got um, a, a huge book that's a long time coming. This is Kataro by Shigeru Mizuki, who also did Nanamba, which we talked about on the show here, and also did uh, Onwards Towards Our Noble Deaths, which is a, maybe a more serious book than, Very than the other. And who also has an entire town of statues from this comic. <laughs> he does, which is amazing if, yep. you, if you go online and look at the pictures of that. Also, oh, really? uh, also only one, one arm. Yeah, I just read that. In Does the, he only have one arm? Yeah, Mizuki's got one arm. The bio in this, in the back, said that he lost it in World War II in the Pacific. Wow, crazy. Yeah. Which means he's like four times as badass as yep. people with two arms. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so uh, Kataro was one of the most popular comics probably in the history of Japan. Uh, and these stories are collected from the sort of beginning and the height of its popularity uh, Late in the 60s, yeah, early 70s. 60, I think most of these stories are from 66, 67. And... Uh, it's it's a cool book. So the basic concept in Japan is that everything in the world has spirits to it, like from like people to rocks to trees to rivers or whatever. And so they collectively call these yokai, which can translate as like spirits or monsters or demons or gods, depending on how you look at it. And so Kataro is this weird, supernaturally gifted kid who ends up dealing with a lot of the spirits. And so the twist on this is that he took the idea of all these kind of creepy spirits, made it very palatable by, like, all the kind of weird horror and or fantastic monsters. Guitar's kind of a go-between. He tries to, like, help humanity deal with them or sometimes, you know, just more in a funny way but deal with problems. And so he has these weird powers, including he's got a very, like, emo haircut with his hair hanging over one eye, which you realize is because he has no eyeball in that socket, but instead his weird spiritual demon dad who is in the shape of an eyeball with arms and legs <laughs> yeah, lives true. in his socket and will come out to help him in really tough cases that though is the most one of the most amazing yeah, reveals or whatever it's so cool he's like, he's like i don't character. actually have a left eye this is just my dad and he like comes out and he's like hey I'm like what the <laughs> and he's he's got a couple other powers too like his uh his hair turns into antennae that can uh um like find spiritual creatures yeah there's, there's very much an there's one part of feel to this where just like whatever situation is required he'll come up with some power right. for it there's one where his like power is running low and he uses all of his remaining power to shoot his hair into people's eyes like needles and <laughs> yeah. like he's got his little vest he wears has got magic powers which they explain why that happens later yeah but the best thing about this is it basically they're all short stories um and each one is basically him encountering a different yokai or a different supernatural situation that he has to deal with and just Shigeru does like the craziest most insane, most weird-looking monsters and creatures that yeah, the Japan mythology is so has well drawn. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, another thing he's pretty famous for over there is he did this encyclopedia of yokai that that's amazing, which I hope comes out here. Me too. And um, as much as a lot of this is cartoony, there will always be a point in the stories, usually on the first page, where he actually draws the monster in a really detailed way, yes. and they yeah. look amazing. Um, yeah, I think most of these are the monsters from uh, this old scroll called uh, what is what is the thing called? It's called the Night Parade of a Hundred Demons, which is like oh, wow. this old scroll from the 1800s, and uh, that thing is awesome. And yeah, I think what, what is the most famous yokai? Like a kappa, I guess, which is like yeah, a frog yeah. thing that lives in the swamp. And uh, I don't know, this it's it's almost like Hellboy or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like Hellboy if he was like a kid who was goofier. One of my favorite stories in here is there's there's one called the Great Yokai War, which oh, is that was like so good. Kitaro. 
like this guy comes and tells Kitaro, like, help, like my island off the coast has been taken over by Western yokai. And you're like, oh, what are these Western yokai? And he's like, oh, he takes a bunch of like Japanese yokai. He's like, help me go fight, fight these guys and find out what's going on. And they go and like all the Western yokai are basically like Western like monsters. It's like Dracula, Wolfman, Frankenstein, like a witch. And like it's this epic battle and it's it's so awesome. <laughs> it's, and they're all being controlled by this giant floating eye. I don't know. It's really cool. Yeah. This is also a cool story. Uh that was maybe an influence on Sullivan Sluggers, where it's uh, yeah, where totally. uh, this kid finds Kataro's magic baseball bat, and then uh, <laughs> Kataro challenges him to a baseball game where they're playing against a bunch of demons, and yep. that's awesome too. The umpire of that game is incredible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's one where uh, Kataro gets turned into a giant monster himself, and basically becomes a Godzilla-like monster. And there's an entire kaiju battle where you know Tokyo starts developing a mecha kaiju uh you know mecha <laughs> the, the monster to fight against him and just and, and all the stories like range like this from very simple ones to very long overly not overly but like super dense plot lines and twists and turns and you yeah. never know what's going to happen or who's going to show up and it's but, awesome but the art is always great a, yeah. a great combination of super detailed stuff with uh really great cartoony stuff and uh it's always fun and funny yeah yeah. Um, and Kataro is an interesting main character. He's sort of, he's, he's sort of detached of a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it just works really well. And it's the, super awesome. The book is fantastic. And yeah. it should have come out in English 40 like, years ago. 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but it's here now and I would recommend that everybody buy it. It's yes. probably my favorite thing that came it's, out this week. It's incredible. So good. A Barrel of Monkeys was really good too, though. But yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, up next we've got. Another Japanese book that we were going to talk about last week, but uh, I hadn't gotten to it. This is Last of the Mohicans by uh, Shigeru Sugiura. Um, I would say this is best described as an adaptation of James Fenimore Cooper's Last of the Mohicans turned into a slapstick comedy that's also sort of uh, political commentary. Yeah. So basically... <laughs> uh, at one point, this one's what from the sixties as well. Uh, so yeah, I, it I says in here 50s. that he did, yeah, he did one in the fifties, right? And then he, he remade it in the seventies, and this is that one. Okay, okay. so this is the seventies. So yeah, so he he'd done a straight up, you know, adaptation of uh, Less Than Mohicans is just the adventure story, and then in the seventies, when kind of like the underground comics were getting you know taken off more in Japan, and just like they're open to more, more weirder, more stuff. more like pop art kind of stuff yeah. started popping up. Yeah. So this is kind of like a mix of the very realistic styles. This is a very well like who, uh, does this picture box who published this. Uh, yep, yep. Yeah. They're doing this new line called Tencent Manga. Yeah, this is the first so kind one. of like the old classics that just weird stuff you haven't seen. Yeah. And there's very good research in the back, lots of articles and stuff about it, about all the like classic comics and art he did to like really do great detailed backgrounds for this. But then that's with you know these very detailed and realistic looking characters, and then he has very cartoony characters on the exact same page in the same panels doing like slapsticky you know gag stuff and jokes and like weird like cartoony things of like you know bouncing things off of people's heads and knocking them. it's like looney tunes meets you know a very serious adventure comic and it's amazing yeah i feel like a lot of people would look at this and say like oh this is like so bad it's good but when no. you when you actually read it you realize like this guy knows exactly what yep. he's doing yeah. a lot of these things are like jokes about like representations of like these characters and how that how they're shown in other media and stuff like that yeah and uh yeah <laughs> when you see some of the stuff that he's capable of drawing and then some of the stuff he does draw some of these some of the characters particularly the sort of bad guys which tend yep. to be the more cartoony guys uh 
are so funny that just the pictures themselves will <laughs> yeah. crack you up. And I, I think throughout he knows exactly what he's doing. I think one of my favorite was, was the girl's name Fatty. Yeah, oh yeah the guard <laughs> yeah the guard like yeah. she's she's so funny and uh the main kid the uh like hawkeye his name is or yeah. uh, he has another name as well but uh i don't know there's a scene where he <laughs> the whole thing's very self-aware and he's like oh he's like trying to hide from these guards and he's like oh this is a comic i'm about to sneeze yep and then he sneezes, and you think he's going to be found out. But then the guard's like, turns to the other guard, and he's like, "Did you just sneeze?" And he's like, "No." And he's like, "Well, you've got like like snot hanging from your nose." And he's like, "No, I didn't just sneeze. I just have snot hanging from my nose." <laughs> and then that's like the end of it. Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 a lot of weird stuff like that. But the whole thing is really funny. And the art, when it's amazing, it's amazing. And when it's like goofily terrible, it's like also amazing yeah Yeah, it's like very well done crafted cartoony goof style and yet at the same time this is a very accurate retelling of cooper's last of the mohicans it tells the whole story just with like all these side turns and like asides and gags and jokes along the way i it's hard to it's almost hard to explain like what he's doing here but it's 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 great there'll be a part where somebody's like on a horse and they're looking behind them and instead of him drawing their neck turned he just draws their head on backwards yep yeah (laughs) and like it's hilarious and the head will be like like you know like one and a half sizes too big i don't know it's but it's it's great it's really funny i laughed a lot when i was reading this book and uh i i would recommend it to fans of I don't know what because there's nothing else like this. <laughs> awesome, there's a lot of hilariously casual murder in it. Too. <laughs> there is, yeah, a lot of. But they, they also treat it like that, like you know, this is an adventure comic based on an adventure story where a lot of people die and it's very realistic and serious. But it's all done in Bugs Bunny style, like so you know all these people are getting killed, but it's all like getting bonked on the head and like happening off screen, and so no one really dies. So this is a very good for like kids comic in a lot of ways. Yeah, maybe <laughs> somebody does get a, a hole shot through their chest. And yeah, it's and it's Bugs Bunny to the point where like people are like catapulting themselves off trees and stuff right. like that. Like oh, it's, that part was awesome. It's so funny, but yeah, uh, highly recommended. Yes. Yep. All right. Up next, we got a, we got some crazy books. This month, <laughs> it's a good mix. Up next, we've got uh, a new book by Andy Kettler, who works at our uh, um, Vienna location. Yeah. Uh, this is called Mind Games. It's a new mini comic, uh, three dollars. If anybody wants to wants to buy it, but. Uh, yeah, this is it's just a little short horror story. Very Twilight Zone-ish. Yeah, he's going to be debuting it at SPX. Yep, he's going to be debuting it at SPX, but you can get it at Big Planet Comics right now. Meanwhile, uh, and uh, it's what is it's it's about a kid who has um, psychic powers, right. and some guys that are doing tests on him, and yeah. how it goes terribly wrong. Yeah, it's basically like a Twilight Zone. Um, type thing, but the thing that makes it great is just Andy's art. Yeah, Andy's art is great. It's it's uh, I'd say heavily influenced by like uh, um, a couple people, uh, Katsuhiro Otomo, the guy who did Akira. Yeah. Uh, also, um, maybe a little bit of Seth Fisher in there. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of Paul Pope in there. Yep. A little bit of my, uh, Tayo Matsumoto. Yeah. Uh, but his 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 art is great, and that's that's. This story is actually really awesome and funny. Yeah, but uh, but you'll definitely want to see his art to check it out. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. So you can go to andykart.com and check it out there because this is a cool book and he's a good artist, up yeah. and coming, and he works at our store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Up next, we got Optic Nerve number thirteen. This is by Adrian Tomine. It's been a little while since an Optic Nerve issue. What a week of comics! Yeah, yeah. this is a crazy, crazy week of comics. Um, and uh, what has it been? Almost two years since the last one. I think so. And Tomine has really switched up his art style. I feel like in the last two issues of Optic Nerve and gotten a lot looser. Yeah, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah. Um, God, I, you know, I, 
I always have this weird feeling that Adrian Tomini's stuff is always pretentious, but uh, <laughs> I think he's gotten away from that a lot. But, yeah. but it's it's I don't know. It's gotten more like goofy and fun. Um, and this God, this story. Yeah, so great. I had no idea where this was going to go. So, well, it's got, um, it's got three stories in it. The first one is a one pager about Tomini himself and just how he's dealing with like yeah, the modern technology, and technology stuff. and email and stuff. And then there's a like, and that that mirrors the last issue where the first story was about people asking why he still puts out issues of comics right, instead yeah. of graphic novels. And then like the last eight pages is a color section, which is very few people in it. It's more just like an emotional piece about people flying back from Japan, like a mother and her kid and just thinking about like their, her relationship and stuff, which but, he also did like a more serious color story in the end oh, of the true. last in the, issue. In, in the, last the, the main one is the main Go story Owls. is hilarious. It's about, um, this old guy and this young girl who are, um, both kind of in this Alcoholics Anonymous type group, maybe like a drugs anonymous, like, you know, uh, some kind of anonymous group. Sure. Drugs anonymous, drugs anonymous, whatever, <laughs> whatever the drug one is called. I don't know. Um, but uh, it's it it goes in places that I did not expect it to go. It starts off with them kind of having like a conversation about like being addicts, and then it cuts straight to them having sex. I was like, wait, what? And then um, I was like, I didn't expect that to happen. And it takes so many twists and turns with their. They have like this really weird like relationship where um, like they're really funny together, and you could see why she likes him and why he likes her, and. But then slowly you, it starts kind of unraveling a little bit. Um, yeah, especially as you know more and more about yeah, him. Yeah, like you you find that he's like he's super addictive personality, and he's he's got like a really bad drug problem, and it's like and a bad, affects a bad temper his life as well. Yeah. yeah, and he's got a bad temper, and and he's a drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, and he's a drug dealer. Yeah, yeah, and she's fine with that for a little while, but then he's, he she she starts to realize like how much of a just like terrible person he is and it ends on like one of the funniest <laughs> like twists of any comic i've read it's it, it i like literally I, I laughed out loud like it was they're just i don't even know how i can't even tell you what it is because it's like the best part of the comic but you'll, you'll know what it is yeah all of that definitely comes to a head like yeah. their love of their like mutual love of this local baseball team called the owls Mixed with him being a drug dealer and just a bunch of other stuff, and it's yeah. really funny. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Yep, highly recommended. Super highly. <clears throat> yep. All right, uh, just got a couple more books this week. Up next is the Pen Ultimate Quest Volume yes. One by Lars Brown. Uh, this is the guy that did Northworld. And as this book started out, I was like, oh, well, this is just kind of just like Northworld. But then once it gets going, this is a crazy, crazy story. Uh, Yeah, so he's been running this on his website. Uh, Then he did a Kickstarter for this first book. Uh, So it will be continuing on his uh, website. Uh, So this basically is a very role-playing game slash video game setup in which there's a group of your typical Dungeons & Dragons wizards and warriors and stuff all going down into a dungeon and fighting monsters, and every time they go down, it's different. And if they die or come close to dying, they will be teleported magically back to the beginning. And they can go leave to go back to town, or they can come back the next day, or they can try again. Uh, and so it's just a series of but short gags, of, you know, kind of adventures about that. They're also all trapped on this island. Right. Um, and they don't remember why they're there. And then that's, like, where it starts getting more interesting to me. They start building out the backstory. It's pretty yeah. funny, like, when... Because they're, like, you know, they fight a bunch of monsters and they fight a boss. And there's, there's a lot of, like, video game references and stuff. Um, there's a really funny part where they beat a boss and he... Uh, one of the, the treasure. Char- one of the characters... Yeah, they get a treasure chest and the guy gets a sword. And they're like, what did you get? And he's like, an old sword. I can feel a great power coming from it. And that's, like, something that 
you would read in like a video game when you grab yep. something yeah. and it's like search search like chest and he's like <laughs> i found a sword great power emanates <laughs> from it but uh and then it, it's weird because it, it cut, it's it's, just, it's about these three main characters um, and their relationship and their adventuring together, and it's kind of like maybe their last adventure. And then it I it cuts to a next another story which I thought was completely unrelated, but it's kind of a uh, you know a pre- background on on these characters that's very interesting. And and then that's where it starts getting really cool because you see that like um, there's more to this world than than it seems because you. You introduce two characters that get shipwrecked on this island, and they don't remember where they came from or why they're there. And they have this urge to just go into these dungeons and fight, and that's it. Um, and it gets deeper and deeper into that why yeah, why this world is what from it is. Maybe different places or different times, and yeah. they might all be dead, or they might have been cursed to come here. And there's definitely something you know something behind it. What makes this dungeon work? And some people start trying to figure it out while others are just going along for the ride and not caring about it. And it's really cool. Yeah. And as you start to learn more about this, they're like on an island, basically. Yeah. yeah. And as you start to learn more about the island um, and the others and no, no. <laughs> uh, but uh, I feel that's when the story really opens up and starts yeah. to get really interesting. At first, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm really into this. Like, Northworld was fun, but I don't know if I just want to read that same thing again. Right. Um, and then the... That that aspect of it and kind of what you find out and the end is intense. Yeah, the yeah. end is phenomenal. That's why I was like, all right, I yeah. gotta read more. And uh, I thought I thought the nonlinear storytelling was a little weird. I felt like it maybe wasn't like he. I don't think he decided to tell the story that way at the beginning. It was just I like as you. he was going, he was like, oh, I should go back and tell this other part. Yeah. And I feel like it is a little confusing at first. Yeah. Um. But but overall, I think maybe. That ends up having something to do with the way that people live on the island as right. well. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought this was really interesting, and uh, I definitely want to go on the webpage and read whatever else yep. is on there now. Yeah, it's great that ending. the end is insane. Oh, it's yeah. such an amazing cliffhanger. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really good. And there, there's uh, more, more already online. So way more intense than I thought it was. Check it. <laughs> yep. All right, just one more book this week. Uh, this is called Silver Six. Uh, this is written by A.J. Lieberman, who wrote uh, Cowboy Ninja Viking, and uh, drawn by Darren Rawlings, who's a really good artist, but I think just does, like, design stuff usually, isn't actually a comic artist. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. yeah, but Silver Six is a, a kid's sci-fi story. Yeah, so this one, uh, pr- uh, the premise is a world in which everything is so carefully controlled and modulated, uh, but the main reason behind it is that Earth is so polluted and overrun that it's all like you know underground or under domes or in giant skyscrapers right. and stuff. And the main character is a young girl whose parents have both died, and so as an orphan, she should be then immediately shunted into an orphanage in the system. We'll just like put her off into this thing. So she's trying to like secretly pretend that her you know parents are still alive, so she can maintain her apartment living and you know not have to go off on her own. And so she has a stupid robot sidekick who's like kind of helping her with the deception. Uh, while then she'll go to school and then immediately come home so no one catches her. And then, of course, things go horribly wrong, and you get to see the, the sordid underbelly of this awful society and how bad everything is for people who don't fit into the system quite right. And then there's a crazy adventure with, you know, traveling to other planets and mysteries. And- yeah, she ends up in an orphanage uh, with these with these other kids, and they're all sort of mysteriously connected to each other. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then they go. And there's and a check. guy chasing her for an unknown reason, so there's always someone after her, and there's a mysterious plot behind it. And- yeah, and the orphanage is pretty funny. It's basically yeah. they all get put into these groups to do, like, kind of, like, meal labor. But, yeah. like, the but most like, dangerous, super dangerous. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, yeah, like cleaning windows and skyscrapers and stuff like that. Or like recycling over like, you know, a series of like razor blades that are grinding up, recycling all the right. dangle from ropes. And yeah, <laughs> kind of like that judge that was selling kids into the prison system in the United States. Just recently. <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I did. Did you guys like this? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Yeah, you just thought it was okay. <laughs> I thought the pacing really was really it. weird. Um, I, I, I was, I was really into the sort of idea of it. I liked the look of it. I liked what was happening, but I felt like uh, I thought that it was paced in a weird way, like in the sense that um, you didn't really get an idea of who any of these characters are right. b- before they go off onto this adventure so you you don't really care about what's happening for a while at least i didn't i I was in i was into like the sort of i like aspects of what what was happening but i was just not connecting to the story at all because of that and i feel like that never really gets resolved like the storylines are they just never really get that interesting to me i don't know i the the thing i really like i like the main character a lot and like where like the stuff they f- start finding out about all their parents is pretty interesting, and I I really like the character of uh, like the uh, kind of a uh, assassin who's hunting them down. Yeah. I thought his character arc was like the best one in it. Yeah. Um, especially when yeah, we I find out like that. who he is and where he is, and I thought that wrapped up really well. I could see definitely like like I couldn't even tell you you know much about any of the, the other, other characters. Five kids. Yeah, yeah, like all the yeah. main kids. <laughs> yeah, I think my problem was like I really like the world building, but the plot kind of was a little over too complicated or wasn't explained very well it did a lot very quickly and it would slow down for a long time and they do a lot really quickly and like there were uh, a couple here's here's like a one example that jumped out at me was there's a part there's a whole page where they're like trying to come up with a name for their group even though they just met each other and, right. and they're like oh what if we're the furious five and they're like there are six of us and they're like oh well we'll be the silver six right and somebody's like oh that's cool and then two pages later somebody's somebody's like oh because we're the silver six because they're talking about separating the groups because these orphans are like in groups of red and silver and they're like oh the silver six are going to get separated and then one of the characters says oh i'm so sick of hearing about all this silver six all the time and it's like the (laughs) second time it's mentioned at all in the book it was just like little things like that that kind of added up to like like weird pacing problems that just didn't really make the story work for me right if that makes sense i don't know yeah yeah um but also, I thought it was cute, and yeah. a lot of it was really fun, and uh, the, the action was, was really awesome. well done. Yeah. yeah, the robot was really funny. He was the way a robot sidekick should be yeah. in a kid's book. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to act like it was <laughs> terrible. I just, no, I just, I just did have problems good, with Good, not it. great, I'd yep. say. Yep. Uh, cool. Well, we usually like to end on something that's great, not good. But uh, uh, well, uh, I'm going to end on uh, my own personal <laughs> review here. Oh, no. Nick special, everybody. Uh, I'd like to take a second here and talk about Wolverine in the Flesh, which came out this week. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Chris Cosentino, who is a, was a, on somebody on, um, I think, Top Chef or one of those Some one of those chef shows chef or top chef um and art by Dalibor Talajic who actually the art is actually pretty good <laughs> but wow man this story this comic is incredible i i the only reason i want to talk about it is like it's really really awful but it's so awful that it's great and like i <laughs> loved it and like every page was cracking me up and it's like it's the level of like what we talked about with like Arsenal, uh, Rise of Arsenal, where wow. it's just like so bad it's good, but it's it's like just the way people talk to each other. Um, they talk so casually about like murdered bodies and stuff, <laughs> and the whole plot is just like ridiculous. Like there's some dead bodies, and Wolverine is like, "Oh, these guys have been butchered." It looks like it's a professional. I know this chef, and like it's <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the guy who's like writing the 
the comic and he, like he, he goes he goes to visit him and so there's this hilarious scene where he takes him to the morgue and the guy's like uh, well, the, the coroner's like, Logan, because everybody calls Wolverine Logan in this. Like, even, like, everybody knows him, like, local like sure. people. And they're like, what's Logan, what's this celebrity chef doing in my morgue? <laughs> and then he's like, I got a hunch. I'm the best at what I do. He's the best at what he does. If these people were actually butchered like a hog, he'll know. <laughs> and then he's like... He's like talking to the chef. He's like, listen, you know me cuts like no one else. Do me a favor and look at these bodies and tell me what you see. <laughs> and didn't you say the main bad guy is trying to cut regenerating meat off of Wolverine yes, so that he to, can make money? Because he, he, has, he has a three and a half star food truck. <laughs> uh, but so the chef is like, uh, he's like, Logan, you know a lot about meat and butchery too. <laughs> he's like, sure, I've been doing it for dec- decades, but I want to be certain about the details and the cuts. No time for error. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's it's just constantly like that. And then it's super anti-vegetarian. <laughs> There's a part where the the like the coroner's really sleazy and like uh, talks about like people harvesting animals or something. And then the guy's like, I bet you're a vegetarian. Like, the chef is like, I bet you're a vegetarian. And then later on, like, Wolverine calls him a veg head. <laughs> it's just constantly really funny like that. And just a ridiculous comic. But I highly recommend it. <laughs> you heard that it here. That is a Nick recommendation for Wolverine you. Wolverine in the flesh. Nick's highest recommendation. Uh, Wolverine cooks with his claws at the end, by the way. Oh, good. Okay. I was hoping that happened. Yeah. See? yeah. Oh, there He's you. chopping up vegetables. That's what, I was like, does Wolverine chop vegetables with his claws? And Nick was like, no. And I was like, I don't want to read this. But now I'll read it. There we yeah. go. There we go. All right. Uh, that's it for this episode. <laughs> yep. Thanks, everybody. Yep. And we'll see you guys next time. See you.